0: to date night at the movies or how i spent my babysitter money i'm jess i'm jordan and this week we are kitchen tabling it and we are talking pet Pet cemetery Cemetery.
1: this week we are at the kitchen table because uh we're redoing the garage so the studio has kind of become impromptu storage (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like we could fit in the studio but like The whole time you just be hearing, and honestly, that's just more editing than I actually want to do.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, we were looking at our week this week and it is crazy as well as turning the basement into a stunt gym.
1: Yeah. This, and this was literally, literally the only time this week we could have done a movie.
0: Yeah, I think even Jordan was like, well, we'll just do it tomorrow. I was like, we can't do it
1: tomorrow. The only way we could have done it would have been to possibly go Thursday morning, record the episode, and then immediately put it out.
0: No, I think I'm doing the something Thursday. Like, I don't, I literally think this was it. And if you follow us on Instagram, there was drama at the movie theater, Oh, yeah. So, we go back to our home base, which is AMC. So, we've been going to AMC for years. Uh, the Universal City Walk AMC was our, was our place for the longest time. Uh, not only that, but the one in Burbank is awesome. Oh, uh, the 16? Yeah. AMC 16. So, we've been Stubbs a list members for a super long time
1: because we're bougie
0: we're super bougie but we also see a ton of movies so we need those points (laughs) yeah seriously it doesn't take long for you to get five
1: thousand points which is five dollars off of something however
0: i am not supporting them right now i'm very mad at amc so the week before someone was like kicking my chair the whole entire time i was just super frustrated which is not the theater's fault but then um and there was also this ticking Yeah, like a
1: steady ticking from the time that we got in the theater to the time that we left. Oh, and I
0: thought I was going to have an aneurysm. And then, um, so we get into the theater today. We're like, we're going to go to a different AMC because maybe we just, you know, we, we like, we, some witch has cursed us and we need to go to a different AMC. And we get in there and I was like, these aren't the right lights. And it was literally those the work fluorescence it, it was were on it was kmart lights yes so jordan being sometimes the level headed one was like listen maybe something you know maybe the the these are the only ones that are working yeah
1: i thought that like you know because normally they have like the can lights and that will dim whenever the previews start and i was yeah. like listen maybe those aren't working and maybe we just need to at least give it to whenever the previews start and not like the Coca-Cola commercials in front of it.
0: Right. So, but the, the screen did, it's like laughing, you know, and opens up and the lights stay on. So, Jordan, I actually had already gotten up. He told me to sit down. So, I think I was maybe being too militant. So, I sat down. Jordan went and talked to them. Well,
1: real quick, before you finish the story, you may have been too militant, but that doesn't mean you were wrong.
0: I wasn't wrong, no. but, I, but I didn't wait until after the commercials. This is true. So, Jordan went out and finds out that those lights randomly came on during another movie. They willingly sold tickets yeah. to this showing willingly sold tickets to the showing yeah i was baffled
1: yeah they didn't shut the theater down and like this is a horror movie you don't watch a horror movie in bright lights
0: well but the other patron that was sitting in front of us he was saying well like the this is why you go to the movies if i wanted these lights on i would stay home yeah and we've talked about this a million times a good theater experience can change a movie Completely and going and having the film, the movie theater experience, it it changes the movie. And there's there's this whole debate in Hollywood right now. You know, Steven Spielberg is trying to be all bougie and say, like, if you like Netflix films, you know, shouldn't be eligible, but for Oscars, for Oscars, sorry, for Oscars. And I agree to a certain point one, you need to put it out in theater so it can maybe be. Up for people who don't have Netflix. I'm like my parents still don't have Netflix. Mm-hmm. They don't have a good enough internet for that.
1: Yeah, in the southeast, like you know, Atlanta is pretty metro. Nashville's pretty metro. Uh, but my parents live what thirty minutes from Nashville. Yeah, and they can't get solid internet out there.
0: Right. So and like I, it's ridiculous. So what do you do? Talk to each other? That's baloney. Right? You know they don't talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to edit that one out? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But that all being said, so it was, it was really crummy. And luckily, I actually was so surprised that previews were still going on. Which, dear lord, are there a lot of previews? No, the, and these weren't
1: these weren't the previews. Like it, it, we were literally in there ten minutes before the movie was supposed to start, and there were like twenty minutes of like you know thanks for coming to AMC. No, but I'm
0: specifically talking about they were in previews when we went and talked, mm-hmm. and then everyone in the theater got up. Went to go talk to management.
1: Yeah, I had to be the one to tell everybody in the theater. Yeah, but, yeah. well
0: nobody nobody turned against you. Nobody shot the messenger. Good news. Yeah.
1: Um, Except for so the people who were behind us, the couple. Yeah. I think that there's their kid who was sitting down. Uh, no,
0: those that the kid was their kid in front of us.
1: Right, but either way, whenever I was saying that, the kid just looked to me and was just like, "Well, bye." Oh, are they gonna stay. The kid was gonna stay. Hysterical. <laughs> yeah. No, you
0: weren't. Your mom and dad were gonna leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that was our drama today, but uh, from the reminder, we're going to talk about Pet Cemetery, and because this was a scary movie, granted, I wouldn't pay any money for any theater to watch it with lights on. I don't, like, the lighting in our, in our house is better than that. Yeah. Like, what the crap. And that was $60 worth of light bulbs. It was.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I yeah, I wasn't crazy about the whole theater experience. Also, the sound was really low, and I don't think they had the subwoofer working. Really? Yeah. Did it not feel low or like kind of? I don't know. To I you? watched most of
0: this movie behind my hands. True.
1: So. Um, but but yeah, so like I don't know. It's frustrating because there's a there's been a big thing for the last decade almost since streaming became a thing, which is how do you keep people going to the movies? You know. And one thing is, a lot of theaters, there's, there's a cheaper theater by where we used to live in North Hollywood. Not the cheap theater.
0: But the one in Van Nuys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, no, this one wasn't all the way in Van Nuys. Yeah, Th- it was
0: right by Jerry's house on Victory.
1: All right, that's barely Van Nuys. It's
0: well, she's barely Van Nuys. I yeah. don't know how that address, but it's the one we're all Beauty and the Beast in.
1: Right for those of you who don't live in California and who aren't as interested in which street intersects with which street, uh, also fair. Yeah, no. So um, this movie theater, you look outside of it and it looks pretty trashy, and you go it does. you go inside and it looks like this used to be a nicer theater. But you go into the theater itself and they've literally put recliners in there. Yes. Uh, and they don't, it's still one of the cheaper theaters there, is Isn't that a regent? It might be a regent. I think so. But like, they are actively trying to get people to come and enjoy watching a movie. And that's actually where I went and saw The Meg with Lennon uh, last summer. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. We were all just like sitting there hanging out and, you know, there's, uh, the seats were comfortable. There's a lot of room in between them. Uh, you know, it was great. But you Know, especially in LA, movie tickets are really expensive.
0: Oh, we um, literally didn't see nearly as many movies because it was like it's 14 eight, bucks a ticket, yeah, 14 to 16, mm-hmm. easily.
1: Yeah, if you go see IMAX, it's like 22, yeah. Um, and then you know, just yeah, expenses add up, and you all know me, I don't go see a movie without popcorn, and <laughs> sorry, that's just that's just part of it, cost of doing business at that point, you know. Um, but like. If movies are gonna be that expensive and you wanna keep the theatrical experience experience going, uh, you have to do something about that. And if there's a theater where the lights aren't coming on, you don't just sell people tickets and say, enjoy. You know, If the sound isn't working, you don't just sell people tickets and say, enjoy. Um, so it's really frustrating because all it's doing is giving ammo to the people who are just like, well, I just don't go see movies. There's no point to it. I can be patient and wait a couple of months. And that's just really unfortunate, because you know us, we are big proponents of see movies in the theaters.
0: Yeah, well, because it can be really special. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do some housekeeping on Pet Cemetery. Real
1: quick, before we do, I just want to make one last point. Let's do it. It is still worth going to see movies in theaters. Yes. Um... Be nice to the theater workers. Yes. Because, like, I think some of the other people in the theater were starting to, like, go after this poor kid. And it's like, no, don't do that.
0: No, especially the kid that we all ended up speaking to was the fellow that cleans the theater.
1: Yeah. And the way that they fixed ours, I think they just shut off all the lights in the theaters. So, at, you know, we stayed till the credits. Normally, that's when the lights come up. This kid was having to sweep out the theater in the dark
0: in so, the dark. And you know,
1: whenever people were starting to get mad at him, I kind of pulled him aside when we were on our way and I was just like, "Listen, man, just refer people to your manager. This is a this is a losing situation for you and it's not your fault." Oh, not his um, fault at all. So, be nice to the theater workers and AMC theaters needs to get up with their management on the way that their theaters are being taken care of around here because it is like
0: It's really It's crummy. ridiculous, yeah. It's really, really crummy.
1: Yeah. We we have a pretty cheap theater right near our house, and I honestly think that's probably just going to be where we go see the next few movies.
0: I think so. Well, we actually, we've talked about the NCG before. Yeah. Um, and that's where we had to redact our sound statements from Halloween. That was Predator. Predator. Yeah. We had to redact our sound statements. Um so, but, but the uh, there's that's literally one of the theaters in there, and we just know that now. Um, but they've got recliners. They're super comfy, comfy. Overall, we have good good experiences. Mm-hmm. So nothing so, to really complain about. So,
1: yeah, but AMC, get your stuff together. Stuff. I had to really think about that because I didn't want to edit.
0: I did ask Jordan to make this episode explicit, which I think we're gonna try not to do because, I have I feel like I have grown up things to say, but we're gonna try to keep it kid-friendly for the kids in your car.
1: Well, and I don't think you're gonna have any kids who are actually gonna go see this movie. Do not take your kids to see this movie. No. Um if you wanted to take witch children. There's witch children. If you in wanted this. to take your kids to see us, I would judge you a little bit, but I could understand that a little more. Why? Because it's not pet cemetery.
0: <laughs> what? Us? No. No. Well, think
1: about all the messed up movies that we saw when we were kids. Think about the messed up movies that used to be children's movies. Again, Willy Wonka is a serial killer, and he literally takes people through the gates of hell in that movie.
0: Is that the? Is that like
1: the sentiment? I mean, that's kind of what people say, but like, if you you know exactly what part of that movie I'm talking about, in the boat ride, and it's terrifying, especially as a young kid. But that is a children's movie. That's fair. so drop dead Fred yeah I, I've never seen that movie all the way through I love that movie we I'm, i I granted rem- I haven't seen it as an adult I do remember my dad took us to see that movie and I remember us walking out on it really yeah and I never revisited it to figure out why oh I don't know um okay so back to housekeeping and stuff like that
0: pet cemetery so first and foremost I've we have multiple drinks of the podcast mm-hmm. um well what did you say it, What was yours?
1: For this one, I was just going to do a shot of bourbon because a there's an old uh, there's an old New Englander in this movie, and I think that's just probably what he drinks at home. Or like, well, he was smoking weed. Was that weed?
0: Anything that is held in a certain manner and is smoked.
1: Honestly, I just didn't notice that.
0: Oh yeah, John Lithgow was smoking weed.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which isn't always good to see him and stuff.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Um, Dogs of the podcast, we have both of them because, as we said, we are in our kitchen right now. (laughs) We
0: are upstairs. So we are technically, so we have this rug. It's a little round IKEA rug that moved all the way from California because it's literally Madison's favorite bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting by that. So if you hear some scratching and a doggy door, well, she, she that likes, is part of the truth. She
1: likes to fold it in half, basically.
0: Yeah. Oh, she's playing with her bed right now. Yeah. You're her gonna, actual bed. You're
1: going to hear a lot of dog noises in You're going to hear a lot of Madison. But, Apologies. But no, Madison literally folds this thing in half, but she has to do it herself. And she does it by scratching it as hard as she can. So I'll be downstairs because the studio is right below the kitchen. And I'll literally know where Madison is because I can I can hear her folding her rug in half
0: yeah um so going back to so we've got the dogs the podcast um as far as drink of the podcast so we had to stop and get food in between things um like we said we are finishing uh the stunt gym downstairs and then so everything is just like a wreck right now um because we're actually getting ready to have some exciting studio news hopefully in the next few months um, and then we actually, so in dinner, we got sake. Mm-hmm. So I felt that was apropos. And right now we're having spiced coffee. What is it spiced with? Pumpkin pie spice. I see. Also, when we were listening to that comic today, mm-hmm. um, what's her name again? Eliza. Eli- what's her last name?
1: Uh, uh, I have to remember because she has multiple Netflix specials and in the, her newer ones, she's just Eliza. Uh, Schlesinger.
0: Schlesinger.
1: I have to remember because it's like, oh, it's like if Dr. Laura wasn't awful.
0: (laughs) So Eliza, she was having one of her specials that we were listening to was talking about white girls and their love of fall. Like that has to be your favorite if you're a white girl. Spoiler alert. We're white and I'm a white girl and I love fall and I love spiced things. And so it's kind of been on my brain. So they were in New England. It was kind of cold. So I thought and... Jordan and I, after this, have a ten thousand more things that we have to do. So I figured we needed some caffeine mm-hmm. and New England, thinking warm and cozy.
1: Yes. Okay. So pet cemetery. Um, pet cemetery. How do we want to rate this? Shovels. Movie? Shovels. Okay. Uh, I think I went first for us. So okay. Which actually, us will go out next week because things got a little mixed up. Uh, so
0: well hopefully we've got some exciting things to come along with us exactly
1: so but basically that means that you get to rate this one first
0: um, let's I'm gonna give it a two and a half
1: really I would have thought it would have been a little more than that
0: the reason being is it was good um, just like the original pet cemetery I don't seek it out mm-hmm. I mean um, for those of you who've been following us for a while we have an entire um episode on our favorite scary movies. We don't have one on all of our favorite every season movies. Yeah. Halloween was a really big deal. By the way, speaking of dog noises, Madison's playing tug-of-war with Jordan right now. Um this is why we don't do episodes in the kitchen.
1: Yeah. Like we were just talking about it's so awesome to be sitting at a kitchen table and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm sitting here playing tug-of-war with the dog right now while trying to keep it quiet." <laughs>
0: yeah. Um so I've never really revisited the first one. Also, the Achilles heel cut in the first one mm-hmm. gives me nightmares. Alone.
1: I, I, I did like how they played with your expectations of that. That was some good filmmaking. It was, right there. it was fun,
0: but it felt very on the nose. Um, the whole f- the film ve- felt very like a very traditional horror film, in which we have gone to several movies lately that have been very untraditional but very successful horror films, and uh, I've really enjoyed that. This felt very classic. Um, I kind of, I do want to say though, I love Woman in Black, mm-hmm. one. The second one is garbage. Um, the first Woman in Black, I watched this like I watched that. But I also watched it the same way and I didn't really love it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked this better than it.
1: Well, so. But but you actually, you know, when we've talked about it and you actually liked it. So I
0: did, but I literally, I stopped being scared, but throughout it.
1: So that's what that's why I thought this one would have rated a little higher. If you oh. like this more than it, then like you know, because two and a half, technically, that's right down the middle. But I always subscribe to spoiler alert if you haven't watched the last, if you haven't listened to the last 30 episodes of this podcast, uh, a lot of my film love and my film appreciation for film criticism comes from Leonard Malton and Roger Ebert. And Roger Ebert says that typically because he hates the star system anyway, but like three stars and above, yeah, that's a good movie. So that's
0: kind of how Um, I see it. I mean, I I guess I could give it three. My my gut at this moment Mm -hmm. says two and a half. And it might be because. and you, you, our dear listeners, will be listening to this out of order, technically, but I, uh, I mean, I just watched Us, mm-hmm. which didn't scare me as much, but it definitely made my brain think really hard. Yeah, um, yeah, Us
1: is definitely a smarter movie than this.
0: Yes, um, and I could see it going up. Um, also, my favorite scary movie um, is The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. And this had very a lot of hints of that. And I think The Conjuring is a far more successful film. Like I think overall, The Nonewithstanding. Woof. Um
1: I'd, I'd say the first Annabelle too. I didn't like the first Annabelle.
0: I liked the first Annabelle.
1: That's that's all right.
0: Second Annabelle was good. It was pretty good. <laughs> Cared to poop out of me. <laughs> Um, but this one definitely, I watched it behind my hands. I thought it was just a very traditional scary movie. And I think it's slightly skewed from the smarter, scary movies that we've seen recently. And we've also been a, in a documentary, like we've been in a nerd phase right now. Yeah.
1: We've, we've been in white people, uh, informative murder porn, uh, phase well, right now.
0: Yeah. But I've also just like been listening to NPR in the mornings and I just, so, and I, I can't read nonfiction right now. It's just where my brain is. So I think there's a part of me that was just like, Huh.
1: Do you think you would have liked this more if we had seen it before us? Maybe. Gotcha. Well, we'll try not to get into too many spoilers for us, because guess what? You know what next week's episode is now.
0: Yes. Um, and I don't think we're going to get... I don't want to compare it, because that's actually not the point of this whole podcast. But I think that I'm kind of having some residual... And that movie really made me think. It didn't scare me as much, but it made my brain kind of explode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Jordan Peele is a traditional horror film filmmaker. No. Um, This, however, um, and I'm excited for us to dig further into it because I don't remember the original at all. And you've read the book. This is going to
1: be an episode where Jordan's geeky encyclopedic knowledge is really going to come in handy. It's going (laughs) to be
0: expanded. But what I will say is because I don't remember the originals at all. Mm -hmm. Like I don't remember them because I just see Herman Monsters, Achilles getting cut flips me out and that's all I can think about so I don't ever want to watch it. It's like sound I just can't deal. You know the last time we watched that movie? Yeah it was at my house in high school.
1: Yeah it was uh I don't think it was Halloween night but it was right around Halloween. Yeah we
0: had a a scary movie night at my mom and dad's house. I
1: remember we did Pet Cemetery. we did Friday the 13th part two Mm -hmm. uh and I can't remember what the other one we did was. I have
0: no idea but that's when I saw Pet Cemetery. Mm and haven't seen it since. Yeah. Um, uh, which was, you know, like five years ago. Right. Um, so that's where I stand on it right now. It might change. Um, and I am I think also, I think I have a little bit of reservedness because I can't think of the original. And you said the plot. The, at one point you were like, I don't know what's about to happen because this is diverted very heavily. Mm-hmm. And the way that the plot went in this one, I actually, it seemed more obvious. I can see that. Um but I'm I have a feeling that my my plan will change. Maybe for once it'll go up as opposed to down. But that's where I stand right now. Gotcha.
1: Well, I like this movie a little more than you did. I'm gonna give it about a three and a quarter.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, again, I did. I'm still lingering from watching Us, which I think that one. The more I think about it, is probably like, oh yeah, this is a brilliant, brilliant movie. Um. With this one, it's a it's a good solid horror movie. Um, I knew kind of what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be different than the book and the original movie, um, but I had enough familiarity with it to know where it was going to go. Because Pet Cemetery as a story, if you're not prepared for what's what that's going to give you, whether it's the original movie, this one, or the book, then it makes it really hard to just enjoy it, and I'm gonna get into the history of Pet Cemetery a little later on.
0: I'm so excited. I am glad. Um,
1: <laughs> but uh, overall, I thought this was a good, solid horror movie. Uh, I thought that, but with the four members of the family, there was some actual family chemistry going on there.
0: I a hundred. Uh, I thought this family was adorable. Yeah. Jason
1: Clark and Amy Siemens uh, great. they were they were great together. I believe them as a married couple who was like still into each other but just happened to have two kids as well. Yes. Um the little girl, she was so good.
0: Y'all, this little girl was so good. She was so good. I want to see her audition tape. So, so bad. I, I want to know how this little girl. I'm going to I'm going to IMDb her yeah, when you talk as, about. As
1: right. I was IMDbing uh doing my typical pre-gaming IMDbing, uh I was, I read something that the directors said and they said, they're like, yeah, we had to do so little coaching with her. Cause she would just be like right before she had to be evil. Uh, she would it's kind of spoilery, but the trail the trailer kind of lets you know what's happening there. Um, she would literally be like, can I have a moment? And she would go off and then she'd come back and it's like, okay, I'm ready. And you would just do the scene.
0: Crazy. Yeah.
1: And then the little boy was adorable.
0: Y'all, this is a seasoned young lady. Oh really? Uh, j- Jet, well, if we say it like American, Jet Lawrence. I, I, but it I looks think like probably Jeté. I think it's Jeté Lawrence. Yeah. Because um, this movie was filmed in Quebec. Quebec. She's um, in The Ranger, Night Comes On, The Snowman, Huntress, uh, let's see, TV shows, uh, Sneaky Pete, Younger, Friends from College, Jessica Jones, The Americans. I mean, like, for a young lady, I mean, her star meter's higher than mine. Yep. Yeah. No, she
1: was awesome in this movie. And then you know, John Lithgow. Uh, like Lithgow. you said,
0: like um, who? When are you not happy to see John yeah. Lithgow?
1: John John Lithgow just makes everything better. It's yeah. like Roger Ebert had the rule of if a movie has Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh in it, it can't be, uh, it can't be altogether dismissible.
0: Oh my God, look at this picture of her on IMDb. It's number five of 13, so go on to IMDb. I use IMDb Pro. Oh yeah. Woo! Um, let's
1: see, I like the music for this all right. Uh, I thought it was shot well.
0: Yeah, I and I, I wanna talk about the music because I kinda got lost if it was sound design or music. I felt like it was a sound design heavy. I
1: I, I have some very specific thoughts on the music okay, on cool, this. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, Christopher Lawrence is the one who did the music, and not Christopher Lawrence, Christopher Young, um, and he typically does very highbrow uh, horror movies um, or horror movie music. We'll talk about music in a little bit, but uh, I like the music. I thought the cinematography was great, the production design was fantastic, the way they got the fog and the way that they yes. trans- like the, the way that they went into the nightmares and everything. Yeah, and
0: we've talked recently. So in Dumbo. It was so very apparent it was shot on a soundstage. This blended beautifully soundstage and on location. Mm -hmm. Like to me personally, and I don't know the fact of this, but the Pet Cemetery itself was on a soundstage. I I would imagine so. You can't get fog like that on location. I was in a movie called Total Awesome Viking Power. That's an actual movie. (laughs) It was in theaters. Um, and we tried to get this low haze on location. Um, we would tend to delay shots for ten to twenty minutes to get haze like mm-hmm. that, like, and it never stayed. So it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, what I will say too is that knowing the book
1: and the original movie. I think that the things that they changed, even though like the purists, like uh, I have a cousin who's a huge Stephen King fan. She's the one who, but she and my dad introduced me to Stephen King. Um, But I haven't talked to her about this, but all I know is that if there's any change to the, uh, if there's any change from the book to the movie at all, she almost completely dismisses it. Yeah. I didn't feel like that. I thought that the changes that they made were in the spirit of the original story.
0: And my defense in that always since a, as an adult and becoming, you know, living in this world, I'm actually pretty adamant that it needs to live on its own, it needs to breathe on its own. Um, I get tired of purists.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's what I'm saying is that I think the changes they made were informed by the tone and the the thoughts behind the uh, original and the book.
0: Uh, okay, yeah. Um,
1: so I, I liked that. Um, with this one, we have to be kind of careful because it can get kind of spoilery, especially if you haven't seen the trailer, because there is a big change that the trailer projects immediately.
0: Oh, really? We, I've not seen the trailer, so we'll talk about that. Yeah,
1: um, but let's talk about some non spoilery things. Yeah,
0: let's talk about the music and the sound, um, which I love that we have been doing music and sound early on. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as people are either going to see this movie or maybe they're see- like listening to this to be like, ooh, should I go see it? Um, I think this is a really good uh, window into how this movie made you feel because good as we, as we constantly talk about and in a few episodes ago, Jordan really breaks down like sound design mm-hmm. um, and it's really great. So um, I, I love that we have started putting this early on because I think it gives you a really good uh, idea on the filmmaking process yeah. and like if it's good or bad or mm-hmm. mediocre.
1: So, a couple of thoughts before we talk about the score. There are two things that I have to want to talk about here, and they both include the Ramones. Okay. So in the original Pet Cemetery, the Ramones wrote a song called Pet Cemetery. Is that what they played at the end? And this one, they had somebody cover that, and I thought it was great. Because, <laughs> uh, like, you know, I'm not. I never had a Ramones T-shirt or anything, and I only ever owned like their greatest hits when I was in high school. But you know, you gotta love yourself the Ramones, especially, oh my God. especially Anthony
0: Bourdain. That's like was yeah, kind of his whole, whole persona. Um, and I learned most of most of anything I know about the Ramones is through No Reservations and Parts Unknown. Well, so
1: when I have to go to my meeting tonight, I might just be blasting some Ramones on the way. Love it, love it, um, love it. But yeah, so that that song that has those really like weird lyrics and it sounds weirder coming My from
0: cemetery yeah, it
1: sounds weirder coming from the singer in this one if you hear listen to it as a ramon song and listen to joey ramon just like bleeding his way through it uh it's it's great i love it another thing so there's a particular scene in this movie that has to do with a semi truck and yes uh in the original movie, and I thought I remembered this. But again, it's been so long since I've seen the original that I was. This was confirmed on IMDb. Uh, in the original movie, the driver was listening to "Sheena Is a Punk Rocker" by the Ramones. Okay. In this movie, he's not listening to music, but he gets a he gets a call on his phone, and it's from Sheena. I did.
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: Um. Uh. But yeah. Um. So that's what I wanted to mention. music wise, there
0: that's fun. That's a little. That's a little fun little tidbit. Mm-hmm. So as far as the score goes,
1: again, this was done by Christopher Young. Christopher Young does some amazing horror movie music, and he's a guy like it's not like he would rather be doing highbrow music and just got like lumped into horror. He loves horror movies. What's uh, what is his pedagogy? Uh, most people would know him from Hellraiser. Okay. Which Hellraiser has, like, it's almost like if John Williams did a horror movie. Okay. Um, he also did um, Spider Man 3, because when Danny Elfman and uh, Sam Raimi had a falling out during Spider Man 2, Christopher Young came on to finish up the score, and then Christopher Young did Spider Man 3. Okay. Uh, he also did Drag Me to Hell by Sam Raimi.
0: Oh, that was a cray, cray movie. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then uh, he did Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Um, he's done, like, he's just. You would recognize his stuff, and he's done a couple of like you know, like fairly like highbrow drama movies as well. Uh, he did one in the early 2000s called The Shipping News, which got him nominated for a Golden Globe. Oh, cool. Um, but he's typically a, a great composer. Oh, he also did Sinister, uh,
0: oh, yeah, but now Sinister, a that's a lo- lawnmower, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. A, a lot of the music in Sinister, though, they literally just got from, like, they went on SoundCloud and found people who made, like, horror-style music. So some of the stuff that you would think about in Sinister isn't Christopher Young. It's uh, people who they found on online, basically. Bananas. Um, but so... I liked the music in this, all right. It had a couple of really nice musical moments, but for the most part, it wasn't a very musical score. No, it was um, super tony. Well, yeah, it was, and the reason why I said that I had some pretty specific thoughts about it was because um, there's a there's a sample instrument company that I buy from called Eight Do, uh-huh. uh, and I used to get them for like all of my strings and all that stuff. But you know, I don't. I've gotten to the point where I just don't end up connecting with them as much there, but they do great esoteric stuff. Like I just recently scored an entire horror movie uh, that was all based around an eight DL library. That's just like you know they they instructed the orchestra to just play random notes, uh, but as like hard as possible. Uh, and it was great for that. But they released a library that's the Christopher Young collection, which I have. And it's all a bunch of like samples and uh, loops and treatments and stuff that he's accumulated over the years. And they put it into a library. The only reason I bring that up is because in this movie, I think about 70% of the score was that library.
0: Gotcha. So, which just maybe it was just a commercial for the library.
1: It could be. I mean, and it's a great library. And I used it on that horror movie as well. Um, but the thing about it is that what that says to me, because Christopher Young is so good with an orchestra and he's so good with doing things that most people do on synthesizers with an orchestra, uh, that just says to me that he, that they didn't have much of a music budget for this movie. And then if you, if you look at the music credits, they have like music editors, they have, they, they might've had an additional music buy, I can't remember, but they didn't have any orchestrators or featured soloists or anything. So uh, gotcha. I think he basically did this whole movie by himself with his assistants and his team. So okay. with that, I really like it. And I'd actually like to listen to it again to see if it is a little more tonal than it seemed. Because again, I think the mix in the theater was off today. Okay. Uh, but it definitely wasn't what I would hope a Christopher Young score would be.
0: Gotcha. Um, it really, I will say one of the biggest scores to me scares of the movie is actually from a piece of sound design which one um when he um this is like one of the first shovel digs Mm -hmm. and remember that big camera movement and then that they scored that like Mm -hmm. camera movement nearly jumped out of my skin yeah (laughs) literally y'all it's digging that's all it is it's digging Mm -hmm. and i was like ah (laughs)
1: Um, in terms of sound design, there was one interesting part where one of the characters gets stabbed in the stomach. Yes. Uh, it, it sounded to me like they didn't just make a stabbing sound, they almost put a popping sound in there as well, yes. which makes me really uncomfortable thinking about it. <laughs> so they definitely did their job right. I mean, these guys who did this movie together uh, um, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmer. They did another movie called Starry Eyes, which I saw recently, and it was it was pretty good. You know, it's kind of like, I think it's better than It Follows, but it's kind of like It Follows, where it's like a modern horror movie that's become like a cult classic.
0: Okay, um, I don't like It Follows. I know you don't. I like It Follows. Okay, I kept I fell asleep in it
1: like three times. I know you did, um, but uh, but these guys, I think that they're really good horror directors, and I think that they are they understand the craft of making a horror movie. And I think that just those little subtle things in there uh, really help liven it up and give it a great atmosphere. That's cool. Um, what else non spoilery should we talk about?
0: Um, I will like the you mentioned it, but the look of this movie is just incredible. Everybody's super relatable. Um, John Lithgow's makeup
1: mm-hmm. in this. Did you notice like the brown around his that mouth? the
0: cigarette stains? Yeah. The, like and they made him look super weathered. like this is a well-treated Hollywood actor. like mm-hmm. I, I, he's definitely not like a spring Daisy, um, but but who of us is um, but he is uh, they just and they, I mean, and all the characters were super relatable. so to me this is a good example that there was a good script mm-hmm. with a good director.. Yeah. Um, like you said earlier, the family believed it. The mm-hmm. little boy, Gage, need him. Yeah. Adorable. Can't mm-hmm. handle it. Need him, steal him. You know, <laughs> yeah. big, no big deal. Squeeze him to death. Um, and Ellie is just lovely and every you know, they don't make all these kids perfect. Yeah. Um, they nobody in this movie is perfect, but they're constantly working at relationships and you know, the another movie that jordan and i are working on producing right now we've we watch like we say we watch a lot of movies and we see a lot of movies that come our way whether we're going to work on them or not and one i'll say is that there's one in
1: particular i think jessica might be thinking about that i recently just pieced out on because it's like yeah nothing about this i'm gonna get anything from it
0: well and it was also it was a filmmaker that's being rewarded for horrific work it's
1: legitimately one of the worst things I ever tried to work Um, on.
0: But that all being said, it doesn't... Now that we say this, and we've said this before, if you've got a story you want to tell, go shoot it. But then, you know, you can always figure out how to really make a movie, which it matters. And you can't break movie rules until you actually know them. Mm -hmm. And so, what was my whole point? Relationships. You can... There's always a reason for your story. So the whole reason for this story is there's a pet cemetery on sour ground, right? We already all know this, right? Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie. Bad things are going to happen. Yeah. This is not a happy story by any stretch. So, but what I love about good filmmakers is they really take the time to establish their environment oh. and the relationships. And I know y'all so sorry. There's going to be lots of house noise uh making new spaces. Um and this movie did a brilliant job of telling you the surroundings. It gave you history without all of this like drag out information that is exhausting. It really embedded in good storytelling and good filmmaking, and that is worth rewarding in and of itself. Like that to me made this movie feel smooth sailing. And when when Things really started to go down. I wanted to use the fan analogy, but, ah, being Mm -hmm. family friendly. But when things really started to go down, it came at a point of true beauty in the movie and when everything was super comfortable because it led you to believe that things would be comfortable. There's, I think we're both thinking of the same moment. I'm thinking of two different
1: moments. I'm thinking of- Well,
0: one moment that led to another moment. Yeah, but-
1: I don't know if I can really talk about this pre-spoiler. No, we can't. All right. Well, but it's a
0: great moment. Maybe we'll, after the break. So let's go on break. Yeah. Let's get some coffee refills because mm-hmm. you and I have long nights ahead. And yes, I'm do. so excited to actually, I'm actually like jazzed right now to talk about spoiler territory. And this m- moment in the movie, we've been lulled into comfortability and it goes down.
1: Yeah. One thing, can I say one more thing to your point where you're talking about how people aren't made to be perfect? Yeah. I liked the fact that they didn't make the mom and dad look like supermodels. Right? Uh, like, you know, Jason Clark, he just has a very interesting look about him anyway. Yeah, his triceps are
0: on point. Though. And
1: like, you know, it looks like he works out, but it also doesn't look like he has a six pack, you know?
0: Well, he's not Chris Evans. Right.
1: Um, and then uh, Amy Semetz, uh, I can't, I don't know how she say her name. I know, name.
0: Amy, we know you're listening. Just let us know how to tell you to say your last yes. name.
1: But like, she was, v- she was... Very beautiful in this movie, with but she looked like an actual person.
0: She looked like someone who very feasibly has had two children's children's. Did Mm. you hear that? That came out of my face. Yes, it did. She has two children. She's a real person. She probably you know she doesn't you know spend two hours in the gym every day. But she definitely did
1: her T twenty five after having each kid. You know, Uh,
0: girlfriend was. Fit,
1: yeah. But no she's but,
0: not. But you're right. They're not five nine. She's not five nine. He's not six two. Yeah. They don't both weigh under 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he's just soft. like they were real people building real lives. And
1: all the moments that they focused on tears in this movie, I know that
0: that was great. Oh, I agree. Also, I will say that they that um I also appreciate because this has come up in a couple of things recently in this movie that you just turned down too. You don't have to have this what we think of as a perfect body your body is perfect because your body is working as it should and mm-hmm. whatever capacity that it is working for you um there's a, a person in this movie that has um is very 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 sick and it puts into perspective like this is this could be your life you could mm-hmm. live forever in bed um and everybody's a beach body when you put a bathing suit on it. Yeah, And so I think it was, it was really great that they just looked like people and that also they had really good wardrobe. Th- that's something recently I've noticed in some low budgets is they just put people in clothes yeah. and it's like, why would you do that?
1: Yeah. Why would and you do that? Make I'll,
0: people look good.
1: I want to clarify too that I know a lot of times when people are like, Oh, I'm so glad that they're just like normal people. Like that's a coded way of being like, Yeah, you look kind of out of shape, but I like that in the movie. That's not what I mean.
0: No. No, and it well, there's a big movement right now with um uh with Shrill, um, with my goodness. SNL actress we love her so much uh
1: uh, ad bryant
0: ad bryant i love ad bryant but she's they she's a new tv show on called shrill i can't remember if it's hulu or netflix it's hulu um and basically she i read an article about her producing like she did everything on this tv show and she talks about you know, that they don't ever consider curvy women to be like leads. Mm -hmm. And she also didn't want to make this whole show about being curvy. Yeah. Like enough's enough. It's just a body. Move on. Let's tell stories. Yeah. And this movie does that very successfully. I
1: think so too. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, let's take a break and let's come back and let's dive into this movie because I know I'm going to have a lot of history to get through and I'm going to try and do it in the most interesting and time efficient way possible.
0: Yes. So hold on to your butts, Stephen King fans. We'll be right back. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry? Because it's gorgeous. Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt? Because I need one. But then you think to yourself, I don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you, you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back. You need to check out Rocks Jewelry Shop. That's right. Rocks. R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says "Those females are strong as hell." Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code Date Night, you'll get fifteen percent off. So head on over to Rocks R O X Jewelry code Date Night for fifteen percent off.
1: And we are back with Date Night at the Movies talking Pet Cemetery up in our kitchen at our kitchen table. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so now we're kind of in spoilery territory. I'm going to try and get through this as fast as possible.
0: Well, can we start with the moment?
1: Um, I want to hear what your moment was, make sure we're on the same page. So
0: you find out in this movie, and of course if you've seen it already, you already know this, but that um, the mom, Kate? Uh, Rachel. 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 Rachel had a sister that had a horrific disease that she was terrified of. I think it was spinal meningitis. Spinal meningitis, so which makes you really sick. It makes your whole body hurt, and I didn't know about all the deformities because a lot of people don't live that long. Oh, anyway, um, they they have like this super cute lovey dovey moment, and then the stupid reincarnated cat brings in a pigeon and is yeah. eating it alive, and they're both like blah he goes is gonna go is dealing with all of that and she's cleaning up the bed Mm -hmm. and so that moment was like ew, that's gross because you already know the cat's back and the cat's evil no big deal but to me it was the I thought the first moment was going to happen to him I didn't see it like it going down with her Mm -hmm. and then the whole medicine cabinet thing happens I was like to me, that's what I was saying, that it, when things start to really get hairy, that's not the moment that I thought it was going to be, and I uh-huh. thought that was interesting.
1: So where I was specifically talking about was a different place.
0: Oh. So again,
1: spoilers. Uh, whenever he brings Ellie back from the grave, and, you know, she's talking with him. He's already given her a bath. They've He's, you know, slept in the same bed with her, you know, trying to just make it be like, you know, this is my daughter. And he basically is trying to get her back to normal before Rachel and Gage come back home. Yeah. But when he goes downstairs and sees her dancing, there is a moment and they don't close up on this at all. And that's something interesting about this movie is that on very important moments, they don't always close up on it. Yeah. Uh, but there's a moment where he walks down the stairs and he sees her dancing ballet. In her
0: death wardrobe. Yeah.
1: But he stops for a moment and puts his hands over his mouth like he's just overcome. And to me, that was a moment... Maybe they meant that as, you know, this is horrifying because she put back on her death dress.
0: I took it as horrifying.
1: I took that as, oh my God, yesterday my daughter was dead and now I'm watching her dance again because he has that moment. Then it goes back to her and she starts smashing things. Yeah, that's true. So to me, I took that as like a moment of like him having what what's probably simultaneously the happiest moment of his life and seeing that taken away from him. Right, so that's the way I took that, and I really liked that moment, and that kind of is similar to what you're talking
0: yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, I think this movie is better than I maybe rated it, um, because the character development is quite is quite impeccable mm-hmm. for a scary movie.
1: So let's talk about the history of Pet Cemetery.
0: Go for it. All right, so
1: Stephen King wrote Pet Cemetery based upon he. He and his family moved in like rural Maine at one point, so he could take a teaching job. And there was a truck there. There was a highway right outside of their house where trucks would speed by. And the genesis of it was uh, his son got a little too close to the road one day. And of of course, you know they got him back. But just like what would happen if I if my son kept walking, I wasn't there. And that was kind of the genesis of this of this story. And also, his daughter uh, lost a cat and them talking like talking about that through and then it just kind of evolved from there
0: gotcha i loved how they approached death with the children mm-hmm. well in and this that's
1: movie. that's a big part of the book too and there's a line in the book in the original movie where and they kind of reference it here where uh ellie says you know god god can't have my cat tell him to get his own cat and yeah, apper- he- apparently that's something that His daughter, Stephen King's daughter, Naomi, had said after the cat died. She went in the garage and was just like screaming and jumping up and down, and that's what she was screaming. Oh, wow. Um, Naomi is now, I believe, a Unitarian minister, by the way.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Um, It's either her or her wife. I can't remember which one. Okay, okay. but yeah, so Stephen King wrote this and thought it was too horrific to ever publish, and he filed it away. He was trying to get out of a contract, a bad contract with Doubleday, though. Uh, long story short, if anything had happened to him at that point before he got out of his contract, it was going to cost his family a lot of money in unpaid taxes. Oh, just wow. Just with the way that this deal was. It's not like he wasn't paying his taxes. It's just the way that his contract was worded. Right. Um so he was like, well, I got to get out of this fast. I got to get out of this fast. And then he eventually just picked up Pet Cemetery and he was like, I never thought that I would actually publish this because it's too horrible to think about losing your children that way and then everything ending badly from that. But he was like, here, just take the book and get me out of this contract. And it became one of his bestsellers at that time. Of course. Yeah. So, um, So the original movie follows the book pretty closely, uh, the biggest difference is is that in the book and the movie it's gage who gets hit by the truck uh, so it's the son instead of the daughter um and then uh like she kicks church the cat out of her room not because he scratches her but because uh, he smells bad um I think she, Ellie's also a little younger there as well um, okay. you know and there are a lot of slightly different things and backstories and things like there's a backstory in the book about how uh there was a world war 2 veteran uh or world war 2 soldier he died young and his father buried him in the pet cemetery and then he came back and was just like causing trouble and freaking people well that
0: was in the news clippings
1: right well the news clippings inferred that but in the like in the original movie they straight up have that happen
0: oh okay. uh,
1: and then so they kill him again um in the in this movie a couple of things they change. It's Ellie who gets killed by the uh, truck. And they do that because they said it, a it's easier to direct a younger girl than an infant boy. Yeah. Um but also yeah. But also they were like, Well it made sense too because she was the one who they're having the conversations with death about, so it kind of makes an interesting mirror to it. Absolutely. Um and also also it's scarier they were like, I think it's scarier to have it's weirder to have a to have a murderous little toddler. But it's scarier to have a young girl who can actually do these things. Yeah. Um, so an interesting thing that they did in this movie that they really inferred is they inferred that Judd had tried to bury his wife in the pet cemetery.
0: Yeah, but he only buried his dog. Well,
1: he never told anybody that he that he was going to do more. So I think there's a moment in here where uh, where the dad, Lewis, uh, drugs Judd. So that way Judd won't notice that he's going to go dig up his daughter and bury her in the pet cemetery. Right Right before that, Judd is getting very emotional and he's kind of spiraling out of control before he falls asleep. I think he was about to admit that he had done the same thing to his wife and had to kill her a second time. Yeah,
0: I did think it was really interesting what he was saying is you want them back so much that that place has this draw to it Mm -hmm. that you want to come back.
1: Yeah, Um, so I think so that I think it was definitely inferred in the movie which I thought was really interesting yeah Um, and it also it also drives home how bad of a decision it was for him to uh, for him to even bring that up with Church the cat yeah Um, you know the way that the book Madison's playing with her bed right now (laughs) Madison's lost her mind um, the way that the book and the original movie end so uh, Lewis comes back with uh, with a poison in a syringe basically and he poisons and kill re-kills church and gauge uh but before before he does that gauge actually kills rachel his the wife the mom oh. and so he he's taking her to the pet sanitary and being like i didn't get gauge early enough i think i i got her, i got her early enough this will be okay and then she basically wakes up he's uh, cause Ellie's still with her grandparents. Yeah. Uh, and then he's waiting on her playing solitaire in his kitchen and Rachel wakes up and kills him. Okay. So, so the changes that this movie made were still very much in line with the book because at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, uh, he doesn't kill Ellie or gate or church um, Ellie kills Rachel and knocks out Lewis and drags Rachel and buries her in the pet cemetery. Lewis goes to try and stop it, and then uh, he's about to kill Ellie. Even whenever she does the whole like you know, the whole turning back into like the little girl and being sweet and trying to toy with his emotions, right? And he sees right through that. He's about to decapitate her with a shovel. Then Rachel comes back and stabs him with her weather vane. No, that was a that was that was a cross. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was a cross made out of rebar.
0: Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. But
1: it goes straight into his chest and kills him. And yeah. then they rebury him. And now the ending of this movie is really haunting because Lewis had left Gage two year old little boy in the car and said don't open it up for anybody and the movie starts with an overhead shot of Judd's house on fire
0: the opening is great yeah
1: uh, there's the SUV with two bloody handprints and the door's open and then like the door to the house is open uh, and then it ends up you see that uh, the undead Lewis, Ellie, and Rachel burn Judd's house down and they come back and Gage is still alive and Lewis goes up and knocks on the door and puts his hands on the window for the bloody f- handprints and you hear and- beep beep yeah and it just ends yeah it's crazy so so it really reframes the opening shot in a whole new way especially because I thought it was going to end the way that the book did
0: oh totally yeah
1: so so the
0: ending of this one I think they did great I think now knowing that I think this is far more successful I thought that it was the daughter that always died so whenever that there was that moment I was like Oh, they're not going to kill her. They're going to totally kill him. And I, I didn't realize that that was going to be a twist on the narrative. Yes, that is a twist on the narrative. Yeah, and I narrative. didn't realize that. I think it's far more successful. Also, this young lady mm-hmm. kills it. Kills it. Yeah. I mean, pun intended. But it was, mm-hmm. it was great. And the stunt work in this, um, mm-hmm. I forgot to look up who her stunt double was. Um, because it's a Quebec team, so I'm... I don't know. I don't personally know them. Surprise. I'm an American. Um, But uh, the stunt work is great. And whoever her stunt double was just killed it. I mean, uh, and dragging somebody at all is hard Mm -hmm. and when you're that tiny is really hard and
1: i mean i don't know what they might have set up rigging wise to help make it easier Um, on her well they
0: might have had them had them in like some sort of like belt harness or jerk vest or like a corset harness Mm -hmm. something that goes like around your hips maybe yeah um and to like two bits of tech 12 to help drag um i've done that before yeah Um, um i've also done it which they wouldn't have done for this long of a shot i've done just some like basically a sheet underneath someone with lots of set deck around it Mm -hmm. and pulled it. Um, but for long shots, it's really tough. Um, but that could have just been a really, just like the stunt girl being like, I'll drag him. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I just thought that the fights in this, like were really unexpected. Um, it was shot really well. I loved when she was dancing the, like all the special shots that they did, like of her skirt swishing and then the Mm -hmm. overhead it made it seem like this really grotesque art moment and it was great. Yeah. It was great. I mean, I I just thought overall, um, there was some really good storytelling and now knowing kind of the twists on the narrative, I even like it better because this, even though to me this felt like a very traditional scary movie, I guess it wasn't.
1: Yeah. Well, and so they were talking about making the changes and you know, they were like, They said basically what we were saying in the car on the way home, because we broke a little bit of our rules and we talked about this just wee bit on the way home. Uh, And they were talking about like, there's no point in remaking a movie if you're just going to do the exact same thing. I totally agree. So they started with like, okay well, what if instead of Gage being hit by the truck, it's Ellie? And then from there, they were like, that just naturally made everything change. And we just followed the narrative. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Like, they didn't go out of the way to be like, we're going to upend this. It's just like, well, no, here's the tone of the book here's the change we decided to make. Okay, this is where this is leading us. How do we make that tie in with the book itself? Right. And this movie had some great, like, Stephen King references to it. Yeah. You know, we've already talked about the uh, the trucker that hits Ellie. Yeah. Um, th- how he's listening to the Ramones song in the original. Now he gets a call from Sheena. Uh, but there's also things like, uh, like, Dairy, 20 miles away, which Dairy, Maine is where it is. Yep. There's a sign in there that says D. Torrance Realty. Danny Torrance is from The Shining. Yep. Uh, there were a couple other moments in there, um, you know. I I wish they would have expanded on why the family was having the visions that they were having, because uh, in the in the original, um, if I'm remembering correctly, so like you know the dad the dad is having visions of the pet cemetery itself and like nightmares yes. and like
0: and with a kid he couldn't save. Yeah, was that in the book? Yeah, that was in okay. the book.
1: Um, the mom has visions with her sister. And then in this one, Gage has visions with the kid that he couldn't save, uh, that Lewis couldn't well, save. Well, you could see him. Yeah. Yeah. But in the original, anytime they had like a vision or a flashback of something, it was because gage as the demon was toying with them that way
0: i to me i got i read it as this is because this is where the, this is this land that it's on mm-hmm. and i think that the spirits themselves were leading them to something like this i i think so i think so too. can we touch on that a little bit so yeah. what are the people called again um i'm sorry what now the the spirit people the tribe
1: Oh, and they didn't really mention... Yeah, they
0: did. Yeah, they did.
1: So they did mention Mic Max in this movie? Micmacs. Yeah, so in the Micmacs. Ori- yeah, in the original book, it was the Micmac uh, Native no, no, no. American tribe. They changed that from this movie because they didn't want it to be to do the stereotype of like the mystical Native American. So they changed it to where the tribe that was on the land abandoned it because it was because it was evil. I, I think you're talking vendigo. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. Because okay, so we played a video game until dawn. Until dawn. It's a really good. I don't like video games. I like working on video games. I don't like playing video games. Um, I just don't. I'm sorry. Please don't shoot me. Please listen to our podcast. I'm very, very sorry. I just don't like playing video games. But don't Jordan worry, plays I lots do. of video games. <laughs> Jordan makes up for all of that. And I'll talk to you about them. Um, well, there are certain games that we play together, including Until Dawn. Well, that's very sp- I If you have a spouse that you would like to play video games with, Until Dawn is a really, really good one. Mm-hmm. I could also see it like playing it at a party. Yeah, and getting through it at uh-huh. a party that would be fun. Maybe we'll have an until but on party, um, and it talks about these. V- I keep wanting to call them wind vind- gr- like uh, in Harry Potter, Grindelos. Yeah, uh, Vindaloo's. Vind. Uh, what, what? It's it's. Spelled Wendigo,
1: but I think it's pronounced Vendigo.
0: Vendigo. So the Vendigos, they're in this other story. And so when I heard Vendigo, I was like, ah, Antler yeah. people! Um, and then they showed the Vendigo and the spirals and whatnot. I actually think it was a brilliant change in tie-in mm-hmm. uh, because um, having known it from this video game scares the bejeebers out of me.
1: Well, so in the original, it was still Vendigo as well. Oh. But, it, but it was like the Micmacs would summon the Vendigo.
0: Whereas in this, I think it was the
1: same. Well, in this one they specifically mention uh, the the tribe that was here abandoned it because it was evil.
0: So, right. I think so they talked about summoning it. Mm-hmm. They talked about like having a relationship with it, but then realizing, oh, this is too evil gotcha. and then left. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, I'm always willing to be wrong, but I think this time yeah. I, I might
1: be right. I know the actual like legend of the Wendigo. Is different than what this movie is. It's closer to what it was until dawn. In until dawn,
0: oh, um,
1: because the Wendigo, it's a spirit, but it's it was basically like looking at it from a folklore perspective. It's a warning against cannibalism. Correct. Yeah, which is the same thing with that movie, uh, Ravenous, with uh, Guy Pearce and uh, Robert Carlyle.
0: Okay, I've not seen that.
1: It, it's actually pretty good. It's oh. it's a
0: bonkers movie, but it's pretty good. <laughs> um, Okay, so it's based on cannibalism, which so yes. this quite isn't the same. Maybe the Earth is eating the people. Maybe I think Stephen King just probably
1: liked the name, but this is also when oh. he was doing an insane amount of codeine and cocaine.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, can you? I can't fathom one. I can't do cocaine. I once drank a energy drink while I was doing a stunt show. And I was doing high falls. I did high falls and wire work in the stunt show. And I had had a bad motorcycle accident um, before, like recently. And I was exhausted. I was working multiple jobs. I was still having a teaching job at the time. And I went and did this stunt show. Um, it was a night show. And I was uh, just really struggling. So I had a an energy drink. One night before the stunt show, I thought I was going to die. So I can't fathom doing cocaine, and then codeine makes me fall dead asleep. So like I can't imagine doing both of those things at the same time.
1: Yeah, Stephen King was very messed up. Like he he even mentions that he doesn't even remember writing Cujo.
0: Crazy. Yeah, which makes sense because that's a crazy town book. Yeah,
1: but that also makes sense to why this book is why this story is so dark too because he was in a really dark place and then coming from a place of what would happen if I, if my kids
0: were taken from me like that. Well, um, and to me, this seems like an appropriate story to tell if you imagine something so insanely dear to you and mm-hmm. losing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, this comes from a very human place. Yes, oh,
0: um, I mean, we were just talking in the car, one of my uh, dear friends who I started doing stunts with and she does stage combat. Um, she lost her husband and so that's kind of been something that's come up a lot in our home and you know imagine losing your partner in crime Mm -hmm. you know and this whole movie deals with that and I think that if you're going to tell a story that deals with this kind of loss it might need to be crazy boats yeah otherwise I kind of wonder you know I wonder yeah (laughs) you know um but I, I agree so I I guess what we're trying to say is that this is a really dang good movie. The mm-hmm. imagery is quite good. Um, I, I the the death makeup is very stereotypical. Um, I wish in a way. So one of the craziest moments. So she's. So Ellie at one point is brushing the cat, which my friend Jess, uh, her cat's name is Boots. So every time they called the cat Church, I was like, no, its name is Boots. I just was convinced the cat's name wasn't Church. Um, And um, she was brushing it after it came back from the dead and she was having a hard time getting through all the blood and whatnot and it scratches her, which totally makes sense Mm story-wise. And then whenever he... um, Doctor Lewis brings back his brings back Ellie, and she, they're in the bathtub, and he's trying to like brush her hair, and he finds the staples in her head from yeah. where they had to piece her back together. I was like, <laughs> yeah. um, the another thing that I want to talk about. Um, so I'm currently um, in the apprentice program slash um, training to become an intimacy coordinator through Intimacy Coordinators International, and one thing. So I've spent a lot of time lately talking about trauma and bot, you know, bodily harm, which we like to do in stunt work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to mitigate the amount of trauma that we put ourselves through at work, especially when we make movies, because that's something that's very commonplace is putting trauma on yourself when you're making filmmaking. You hear all these stories of these classic filmmakers putting, especially actresses, through literal hell to make a stupid movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I bring this up because I thought what this movie mitigated extremely well was it allowed your imagination to do a lot of work. But, like when Ellie was hit by that, um, by the truck or the mm-hmm. the part that came unhinged, which was that in the original movie or did they just get hit by the truck? He just gets hit by the truck. I loved the person looking up, slamming on the brakes, and mm-hmm. that stunt was great. Yeah. But when they discover her you see rachel not able able to like get over there which i completely understand i'd be in the ground throwing up not able to do anything as the first responder i couldn't handle that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um if it wasn't mine maybe but i've picked up some hurt kids before but um and they didn't mangle her they didn't need to. That's, there was not a drop of blood on that young lady. That's something I
1: very much noticed, too.
0: And you didn't need to, did you? I,
1: no, I mean, before I realized that's what you were saying, that's actually, I was like, oh, I want to make that point. Um, but you did it for me. Yeah, because because from an emotional standpoint, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. You don't need to show, you don't need to just throw buckets of blood on this young actress. Uh, To get that point across, and this movie doesn't skimp on gore at all. No,
0: this is this is not for the faint of heart. If you're like, I don't like blood, don't see this movie. Yeah, but they understood as filmmakers that the emotional trauma enough. Like, you don't. I would would have loved to see the stunt girl get like annihilated by that truck. Yeah that's just, like, I wanted that for her. Mm -hmm. Like, how great would that be, especially if it was a wire gag? Yeah, You know, it'd been awesome. But we didn't need to see that, one. And two, that young actress didn't need, like you said, didn't need to be splashed with buckets of blood that would have stuck with her forever. Um, A lot of the violence, those were oneers on her, one shots on her. Mm -hmm. So, like, when she was um, stabbing John Lithgow, that young actress never did that.
1: Yeah. Um, I liked how... I liked how they had her like put the mask back on. Uh, a, it reminded me of another movie that we've seen but haven't yes. released yet. Uh, but B, it also reminded me of like you know like a slasher thing. It's like people they don't kill people without their masks. And that the way that that was particularly shot was a very Michael Myers way of stabbing somebody. Yeah, it was great. Um, but like you said, they didn't traumatize her for the sake of a movie. And yeah. like you know, and I, I hope
0: th- that it comes out later that like I'm right and that they didn't. We don't need to withgo additional trauma to make movies. Well,
1: and for this movie in particular, too, it's already such a harrowing subject Yeah, uh, that you don't need to overdo it that way to get your point across. And I think that, you know, Colch and Widmer are good enough filmmakers to understand that, too.
0: I agree. Because this movie
1: didn't feel hamstrung at all.
0: No, and it didn't feel like they skimped on the hard things and the scary things and the gory things. But they let... And we're, I mean, they, they always tell you, don't ever work with animals and children, and they did both. And apparently the cats were divas. Yeah, I
1: heard uh, like they would have to sit around and wait for the shots to start for like 10 minutes before they started filming to let the cats get acclimated. <laughs> uh, apparently all the cats were very well treated. They had their own kitty village. Amazing. Um, uh, the animal wrangler adopted one of them because they, they were all rescue cats.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually really, really common.
1: Yeah. Hashtag so, adopt,
0: don't shop. So the
1: animal wrangler adopted one. Two crew members adopted a couple of them. And then the Ooh. animal wrangler's friends adopted two more. I couldn't
0: have adopted any of them. I know. I would have been like, they're evil. Um... Which I'm convinced there was like the like the cats with the sweet faces and the ones that had like resting RBF. Yeah. Um,
1: well, apparently, so there were five cats listed, but only four of them are really in the movie because one of the cats kept getting scared. So they're like, okay, let's not traumatize this cat. Um, right.
0: And moreover, we don't need to traumatize traumatize people. Yeah. But
1: apparently, to make stupid movies. Apparently, the cats particularly liked uh, John Lithgow and Jason Clark.
0: Oh, cute. <laughs> um. So, I will say that that this movie, um, I, you know, and this is something that I'm ingrained with every single day and really studying and working really hard to be, you know, A1 steak sauce at this job that I'm being encountered with. But I was really struck by this film that we could, it, I kind of saw it in action mm-hmm. and I appreciated that. And I'm hoping that it was, sh- that the set was in such a manner that it, it of the way that they kind of yeah. made it seem like.
1: Well, and... You know, of course, we can't really speak about the behind the scenes stuff because we weren't we there. We weren't there. But from a movie perspective, one thing we always talk about, you know, and you hear say all the times, hashtag earned moments, you know? Yeah. Um, but this movie had earned moments, but it also dealt with the repercussions of the things that we are trained to look at, watch movies and think, oh, that's really cool. You know, like uh, I just watched Deadpool two recently, which you know it's a fine movie. I don't like it as much as the first one, but like you know, there are definitely moments in there where somebody gets splattered with a car, but they just kind of like get driven off screen, and then that's the end. And in a movie like that, you don't want to have people ruminating on the on the fragility of life. Uh, no, but this is a movie that understands the after effects of the horrific things that we are used to watching in movies. And that doesn't mean that it can't be an entertaining movie. I mean, a horror movie is definitely for a specific crowd and surprise, surprise. Most of us don't like violence. Um, but we like horror movies, you know. It's no. not like it's not like I'm going home home and cutting the palm of my hand just to feel alive after watching it, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, but this movie understands that, and it understands trauma, and it understands grief, and it understands it understands like the core of being a human going through something like this. Yeah, and I think it does that really well.
0: Yeah, I also thought it was interesting. I felt like Dr. Lewis was really battling. By the way, when he buried Ellie and was waiting for her to come back, I like couldn't deal with life. I was like, I don't want her to come back. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. But I also, I think the moment where he sees her dancing, where we talked about we didn't know if it was horrifying or overcome with joy, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it felt like when she just came back. Yeah. like I couldn't tell if he was like, yay! or oh no
1: well especially whenever she's like will you stay here tonight and he's he's lying back and then she you know sides up to him the way that a little girl would sleep on her daddy's shoulder and he's sitting there staring at the ceiling and again like we talked about earlier they focus on tears and and like he's just sitting there and just tears are running down his face or not even like a solitary tear. Almost like he's trying to keep it together, yeah. but you don't. That know happens why.
0: multiple times with him. Well,
1: with him and with Rachel too. Like, Again, she was so.
0: Oh man, but she, man, she, she let her waterworks flow.
1: But she, I don't know. Obviously, again, I don't know her process on this, but she portrayed somebody dealing with trauma and reliving trauma perfectly.
0: Oh my God, she she was
1: so good in this movie. I love the, I just love the two of them together. Oh yeah, it
0: it was crazy to me that they made Jason Clark the star of this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Miss Siemens was like, because the whole her backstory, like all this stuff, it to me it was about her.
1: Well, I think that's something too. Where if, if they really wanted to subvert this movie, and had they gone into this thinking, oh, we're gonna just subvert everything, well, it wouldn't have worked. Right, but. I think that like, if they wanted to go even further and and uh, try and go down that road, I would have centered this movie on her, 100%. And, and still had him be the one who who buries everything in the pet cemetery, but have it be from her perspective.
0: I agree. Um, and follow him to the cemetery, and I can see why, you know, it's it's an easier out to mm-hmm. just follow him, um, and make him the star. Yeah. But man, her backstory was scary.
1: Yeah, it it was there's a moment with her that i loved in this movie uh it was so right before she realizes that ellie is back and she's been trying to call back home and she has judd go over there and check on everything and he never gets a chance to call her back because ellie kills him uh where she gets there and she rushes through the door and she's holding gauge she goes up and she just hugs him she's just like He's talking about, I was so worried. I didn't hear from you. I, I asked Judd to do this. I didn't hear from them. I just need you, me, engage right now. You're the only people I need. And that moment was a really powerful moment. You know? Yeah. And and again, it was something where I wouldn't call that the happiest day of her life, like I did earlier with uh, <laughs> yeah, with by Lewis. no means. But like that was a moment where she's like, I think this can all be okay if it can just be us. And then to immediately see that get swept out from under her, I yeah, mean, this is a bleak movie. It's a bleak story, no matter oh. how you turn it on its right.
0: It. And like maybe if you're certain people and you're like, they all end up together at the end. It's like uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be the loosest definition of bittersweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, um, and I also really endeared Judd.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love John Lithgow. I mean, I loved Fred Gwynn, uh, Herman Munster in the original. Yeah, and uh, he and he also had like a more pronounced Maine accent. I, I wish that John Lithgow would have done more of a like old timer Maine accent. Yeah,
0: I wonder if he can do accents because he's always John Lithgow. That's
1: true. He he's always like he's, he's just always, always third rock from done... the sun, like yeah. just
0: ever so slightly. You well, know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's not a brilliant actor, and no. he's a character actor too. Like he plays. Other people other than himself. He,
1: I don't actually think this, but it just made me think. John Lithgow's like Phil Hartman. He's a character actor who always plays himself.
0: Oh yeah, John Lithgow never plays himself. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't know him personally. Maybe he's like cray cray. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always feel like there's, Incredible depth to his choices. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I did love him. Oh my moment. god! In the moment where, um, but right before Ellie kills him and it turns into Norma, but then you watch her face transform back oh, like yeah. into Ellie. I was like,
1: ah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, hello, Madison. She didn't like my um, noise. This movie's apparently been fairly controversial, uh, not not for like content or in, or in the way that we normally think of, but just in the fact that apparently people are divided right down the middle on the changes they made from the original story. Of course
0: they will be. Yeah. But that uh, means it was a successful movie. Yeah. I mean,
1: I kind of want to go back and rewatch the original. I'm not going to ask you to watch it with me.
0: I mean, I'll watch it. I just like the Achilles tendon cat just kills me, the, but the I'll re-watch they, it. After watching this, I'll rewatch it. Yeah, the
1: way that they did the Achilles tendon in this movie, though, <laughs> was so. We're in spoiler territory. In the, in the original, Gage is hiding underneath the bed, and that's where he gets his Achilles tendon. Here, they focus on from like underneath the bed, a POV shot,
0: of, and he kicks the bed.
1: Yeah, instead of waiting there, he kicks it and there's nothing there. And you think, oh, that was their reference to that. And then they get him in a completely surprising yeah, way. Later and on. I was
0: displeased because yeah. I wasn't ready. And uh, if you ever watch a horror movie with me, I'm at like, I have a ready stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not usually in a comfortable position. I usually hide behind something, usually, it's my hands, slash, behind whatever drink we're drinking at the movies. Leaning on Jordan's shoulder. That's mm-hmm. how I watch horror films. Um, and for those of you who listened to our Nun episode with Alexander, I once, in Blair Witch 2, jumped into Alexander's arms. Yes. Um, I thought they were Jordans, they were Alex's, so be it. We I felt could safer. not be more different. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I just jumped. I just got the... The Living crap scared it of me.
1: So, I don't think that we're in a talking in circles place, but I think we're at a point where we could just tangent off on a lot. I
0: agree. I think so. Maybe I, I, do, I do think this movie's a three for me. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm obviously very happy about it. Um, and I'm not in a place where I'm just going, ah, blah, blah, blah. like, I this yeah. movie was a good, this was a good movie.
1: Yeah. I, I, I. I do not regret seeing this movie. I can see wanting to actively watch it again sometime.
0: Well, it makes me want to watch the original, which I haven't wanted to watch in, what, 15 years? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, five? Um, I don't think
1: it was quite 15 regardless. So. N-
0: no, probably not. Um, so that being said, we're at the point where we say... Should our listeners go see this movie?
1: I think that if you like horror movies, if you have a decently strong stomach, and you can handle the bleakness of the subject matter, yeah. then absolutely. If you, I mean, and most of the time, if you like horror movies beyond just like you know, well, agreed, it's easier. beyond like what people would consider easy horror movies, which I'm very much not an elitist whenever it comes to horror. If, <laughs> sca- if it scares you, it's worth watching. But I would say that if you like horror movies and you understand. Stephen King stuff and you like Stephen King stuff especially, go see this movie. It's one of the better horror movies that you can go see and we should be thankful that there's so many good horror movies to go that's see now. That's very,
0: that's actually a really good point and I would also like to say this is actually a really good Stephen King adaptation which there's oodles of bad ones. Oh yeah. Oodles upon oodles upon and, oodles. And
1: I mean, it's all very subjective. Again, I really like the Stephen Webber shining, you know, the, uh, the made and for I TV don't. version.
0: I Oh, the made for TV. Yeah. I love that version. I don't like the Jack Nicholson version
1: yeah you don't like the Kubrick
0: version no I don't but I don't like Kubrick yeah and I do not like Kubrick yeah don't so Jessica uh, refuses
1: to watch Kubrick with me
0: I don't like him I don't like him I also there's just lots of things I don't like about him but um and there's even his style is like blah 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 um I would say also go see this movie. Um, if you don't like scary movies, this is not for you. But we always, you know, we always laugh. I feel like a lot of movies that Jordan and I have reviewed, including like Trick or Treat, where we're talking about how, you know, what is your tolerance of really horrible things happening to children? Yeah. Um you're able to deal with um, knowing that this is fictitional, knowing that this is how Stephen King was dealing with some grief in his own time and dealing with his own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think is a really interesting, an interesting introspect into this whole shebang. Um, And I definitely think that this is, it's worth seeing. I think the storytelling is really on point. It's beautifully shot. If you are a filmmaker and you have a hard time really developing relationships in your stories before you have things happen, this is an excellent excellent example of how you can build a relationship and build your story all at the same time.
1: Yeah, and especially in the context of a horror movie. And I say this till I'm blue in the face is that we are in a prime we are in a prime time in history for really good, really smart horror movies. Yes. Um and not only just like, you know, good craft well crafted horror movies, which we know we've done a lot of those on this on this podcast too. But like you said, A horror movie that understands character development and character arc and isn't afraid to shy away from grief, which is something a lot of horror movies don't do because they want to try and make the murders fun.
0: Right. This is not fun.
1: I wouldn't say this is a fun movie, but I think that you can watch this movie and enjoy it. Agreed. Yeah.
0: So, with that being said... um, Thank you so much for joining us this week for Pet Cemetery. Thank you to our sponsors, Rocks Jewelry. Um, you can follow us on it, uh, on Instagram at Date Night at the Movies, on Twitter at Date underscore Movies. We're being better yes, we about are. the twitters. Um, we love talking to you. For those of you who sent us messages recently. Um, Thank you so much for letting us know that you could hear Madison snoring in Dumbo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't proofread that episode because we recorded it so late. Yeah,
0: um, but uh, one of our viewers, thank you so much for reaching out and saying that it was calming to hear her. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was incredibly sweet. We're very endearing to these creatures. Um, So thank you so much for all of you who continue to support us. Thank you for watching movies, Um, but we love talking about them even more so with you. So, Always feel free to reach out to us on social media. We're also on Facebook at Date Night at the Movies. Um, And you can follow me, Jessica, at Jessica E. Bennett. You can follow Jordan at... Jaben Music. J-A-B-E-N Music.
1: And also, we're planning on uh, being at Malton Fest in LA. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one we're gonna, which movies we're gonna try and actually hit up. Yeah. But um, if you are in LA, you like film fest, and again, you want to show your appreciation for Leonard Malton, who, along with Siskel and Ebert, has done so much to make film criticism not be just highbrow uh, things that you read in the New Yorker. Right. Um, I definitely recommend going to support it and I cannot say enough good things about Leonard Malton. and I'm hoping honestly just to get a picture with him I'm going to fanboy out
0: yeah so we'll be at Malton Fest in LA also that weekend we're going to be at the Taurus World Stun Awards yep. um, so we'll be in Los Angeles we're going to be in Nashville coming up um, and we're, then we'll be back home in Atlanta for a little while so if you want to say hello you want to talk movies you want to go see a movie with us please reach out because we're wide open at this time and with that being said I'm Jess I'm Jordan and thanks so much so much for joining us this week at Date Night at the Movies.